Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy, presented by the Right Pack Radio Podcasting Network. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Soroy, and I'd like to welcome all of you to the 10th episode of Excelsior Journeys. And this is a very big milestone. I'm really, really uh, happy to, uh, to have you all here for this because the statistics say that 90% of all podcasts fade away before episode seven. And here we are at episode 10. Um, so a big part of that is you guys keep listening. And before I introduce our guests for this week's episode, uh, let me go ahead and take you over to another podcast. How fitting. It's, you know, I'm thanking everyone for tuning in and then I'm going to talk to you about a, a different podcast. And that is the Sell More Book Show podcast. This is a very successful indie publishing based podcast with Brian Cohen and Jim Kukrell. And what they do is they share different, uh, different tips and tricks of the trade, and also um, give about five different big news pieces that are happening in the world of publishing during that week. And one of the uh, one of the things they like to do is they they put out a weekly question to have people go ahead and participate and send in their answers. And um, at the beginning of every show, Brian Cohen or Jim, if Brian is you know taking time away from the show, will go ahead and read off different answers that, that they've gotten. Uh, my name has been mentioned there several times as uh, during the question of the week part, although at uh, the same time, both uh, both Brian and Jim have their own different ways of pronouncing the last name. Brian and Jim, let me just go on record right now. It is Soroy, not Sarah, not Sorosis, not Sorois, Soroy. It's totally understandable. It gets butchered all the time. Um, you guys will definitely not be the last ones to do it. But since I'm here and I'm singing their praises, I might as well just kind of give them a little tip as well. A few weeks ago, I came across uh, one particular episode where Brian was reading off different news bits. And I think like around number two was the news bit for that particular week. He mentioned a writer named Catherine Bogle. And as soon as I heard that name, the light bulb went on over my head and I re realized I know Catherine Bogle. Catherine Bogle is a successful writer. Uh, let me, I'm Facebook friends with her, right? So I took a look on my Facebook friends list and sure enough, there she was. As soon as I saw that she, that she and I are Facebook friends, I reached out to her. I asked her to, if she would like to be a guest on this show and she was thrilled to do it. So it is a thrill for me to be able to introduce her to you, all of you here. Um, so I'm going to do that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Catherine Bogle. Catherine, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Just to refresh my memory, do you know what um, what piece of news Brian was talking about when he mentioned you? Uh, yeah, it was the time I hit $800 in a month. It was like my first big-ish month. That's awesome. That's awesome. What What is it that um, that you did differently for that one? Uh, well, I started a rapid release the month before. 
Uh, and the rapid release started like at the end of August. So it was only about $300 that month, but then in September, I shot up to 800. And that's when the second book came out. The third book was on pre-order. Um, I had a book bug featured new release for the first book the previous month. And then I had like my big promo week in like the first week of September. So I think that all really helped. And my first rapid release, you know, we all sing the praises like it does awesome. So it does. <laughs> it does pretty good. So you say so you say rapid release. Now, that basically means, um, if I'm not mistaken, basically releasing one book after another after, you know, very tight, uh, tightly together. Right? Correct. Yeah, it does. Uh, some people will do it every two weeks and then some people will do it once a month and then. I think the cutoff to call it a rapid release is like six weeks or something like that. Okay. Um, so in my case, I put out the first book and then two weeks later I put out the second and then a month later I put out the third and now it's about six weeks later. The fourth one is coming out on Tuesday. That's fantastic. So, um, so when you do that, are you know, do you have, you basically just write, you know, write a book, you get it ready and everything then, once it's all edited and ready to go, you just put it aside and ready for the next one? Um, or do you, is this something where, um, are you just like writing them all like, you know, one on top of the other? What's, what, um, what's your method there? Uh, I wrote the first book actually, and I think it was 2016. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I went back and edited it this year. And then I wrote book two and book three and had them edited uh, before the release of book one. So the first three really were kind of like a true rapid release. Um, and then I think I did the final proofreading of book three after book two had come out. And then I wrote book four. So before I finished writing last month, but it took a little longer with the editor than it was supposed to. So that's why it's coming out a little later. Um, but it's pretty like from here on out, it's going to be pretty much writing editing and releasing oh gotcha a couple of months so you didn't release it book one beforehand and then just take it down you just went ahead and just held on to it this whole yeah, time exactly i just held on to it and i'm really glad i did because over the years my writing has gotten like quite a bit better than yeah. it was at least in 2016 mm -hmm. so i'm really glad i did because it allowed me the chance to really make it more of the book i wanted it to be Awesome. Yeah, I know. I know the feeling. I went through uh, three iterations of Excelsior even. And the funny thing is, like, all three versions had been published. Um, but then it got picked up by, you know, this, um, the self-published version got picked up by another small press, by a small press. Then they went out of business. And then another small press came and picked it up. And all the work that they put into uh, the second publisher put into it, that was just that just became like the definitive version. And I just wish that um, I would have loved to have to that have been like the main version that had been out there, but you know, you live and learn. I know the feeling. That was my first book. Yeah. The first, first version, I like, I don't want to call it crap, but I mean, like, it wasn't great. Um, current version, much better. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So speaking of which, speaking of, uh, you know, different uh, versions and how we all evolve as a writer, let's take us back to Take us back to the beginning. Take us back to that moment, because I always like to 
uh, start each episode by knowing what your, the spark was for you. Like, what was it that made you decide, um, I, you know, like, I want to write, I want to be a writer. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to be. Um, what was that moment for you? Uh, I think the actual, like, moment moment of this is what I want to do, like, as a living, as a career, you know, forever kind of thing. I uh, was in my first year of college. I wrote my second book, um, and it was it was kind of like the book of my heart kind of thing. Like um, I had written like scenes on and off for years. I had written it as fan fiction. I had written it just as stories myself, my own world. And by the time I was finished that book, which ended up being like 180,000 words. Wow. Like, uh, yeah. By the time I finished that book, I just felt like this is what I wanted to do. Like, I loved the writing. I loved the creating the characters. I love outlining. Like, that's just what I wanted to do. But then yeah. again, I've been writing on and off since I was literally in elementary school. I used to write fan fiction and short stories with friends and then eventually moved on to writing like full-on novels. I think my first one was in 2009 when I was in grade 10. Oh, wow. So when I was in high school. Man. Good times. I, yeah, I, know, I definitely know that. You know, like I know that feeling very well because I, my whole thing was, um, you know, I would fill steno notebooks with stories based on these characters that have been sitting in my head for so long. What I did with mine is I did kind of a reverse fan fiction. With fan fiction, you're taking established characters and putting them into new stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I did was I took the I took my new characters, my characters, and put them in established stories. So it was basically just ripping off like anything that I had seen. Um, yeah, so it was called an OC, an original character. That's what I did too. Is I made my own characters and then wrote them into an existing universe, like Teen Titans. Yeah, was my favorite one for the longest time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that was that was where my second book, the inspiration, came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it will never see the light of day, but that's the inspiration it came from. You never know, like whenever we're dry or anything, we can just kind of like, um, you know, kind of dig up some old stories. Like, what do I have that I can kind of repurpose? Yeah, yeah. I do want to rewrite it one day as a not 180,000 word book. Yeah, yeah. So I, eventually, because it's like a mix match of like genres. It's urban fantasy and superheroes, but also has some sci-fi and epic fantasy elements. So that's, that was my second book. It was crazy. Hey, you got to go for it. You know, that's what, uh, that's, that's what this, this whole thing is all about. You know, like you got to go with what, uh, what drives you, you know, to tell your story. Exactly. I just, you know, to market, I think is easier to start out with, or at least like, at least a little more genre focused when you're really like starting out and trying to make a name for yourself. I'll do yeah. that, you know, when I'm making the medium bucks at least. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was it that made you want to start, you know, looking at, you know, like actually doing this for a living in terms of when when did you start like kind of analyzing what um, how to properly go about selling your books? I think that would have had to be in 2014, 2015-ish. Mm -hmm. Uh, around then I entered that second book in a contest called the world's best story contest Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it came in, I think, about sixth place. And then the following year, I entered a different book, and it came in second place. So around then, I started to look into like what it really took. And I learned that basically the package I had won as second place was kind of like with a vanity press. So as I learned that, and I joined 20 books around then, 20 books to 50K. Oh, yeah. Uh, I joined that um, a little bit after, but I joined uh, the Young Adult Authors Alliance. A-A-Y-A, yep. I think is what it's called. Yeah, an, an alliance of, uh, was it an alliance of young adult authors? Yeah, I mean, that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. So I joined that one, and that's where I first learned, like, a lot about self-publishing. Like, I had known some stuff before that I learned from um, a self-published woman named Patty Larson. Mm -hmm. uh, I met her when I was in college um, in Prince Edward Island, and she is an awesome lady. She is so sweet, and she answered all my questions, but... Um, and she, you know, was a great wealth of knowledge, but like, I really wanted to do this contest and see what would happen. Cause it would just make things a lot easier for me in terms of budget and editing and such, though it didn't really turn out to be what I thought in the end, but hmm. I digress. <laughs> um, around then when I found the young adult group and 20 books, that's when I really learned like what self-publishing meant and, over, you know, the next few years, I have pretty much just read everything I could physically read on those. And that's so how what, I really learned. So, um, so just to, for our listeners out there, can you tell, um, can you tell them a little bit about 20 books to 50k? Yep, sure. Um, 20 books to 50k was the, um, no, I don't want to say it wasn't the dream. It was like the trying to think of like the word for it, but basically Michael Anderle's theory was that 20 books would get you to 50k a year. He made that a lot sooner, but <laughs> I think by like book three or four was when he hit like his first 10k month or something. That's amazing. Yeah, something crazy amazing like that. Um, but the whole group is based on that. It's more, it's not about the craft so much as it is about the marketing it's how self-publishing works, how to better your books, how to get more readers, um, how to sell your books. It's really about that side of things, which to me is very helpful because like, you can read as many good books as you want. You can dissect story structure and everything, but no matter how good your story is, you need to be able to sell it if you want to make a living. Yes. So that's where I... 20 books yeah, I, I I'm definitely right there in terms of that's that's kind of my Achilles heel. It's so, it's so cliche, you know, like with um to say that as an author, it's just like you know you are you have the passion, you have the drive, you want to you know make the best possible book and everything, but when it comes to actually selling the book to people, then that's when the shrinking violet you know thing whole thing happens. Um, but um, yeah, like that's. I'm, I know for, I know for, speaking for myself, I'm very good at selling one-on-one -on -one to people. Um, but it's just like letting the book kind of like sell itself in, in, in a sense that just, this is not going to happen, you know, and too many people think that that would be the case, that all they have to do is just put it on Amazon and then just wait for the money to start rolling in. That's not going to happen. Exactly. There is so much more to it that I never knew until I joined those groups and learned everything. And 
learned about, you know, how reviews work and how you can get advanced copies to people and how AMS ads and Facebook ads work and all that fun stuff that isn't writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, so when did you feel like you had, uh, you had kind of had a really good grasp on all of this? Well, some days are better than others. Some days I kind of feel like I'm getting it. And other days, you know, it's like, I got two sales today. Like, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, like some days the Facebook ad works. Other days it doesn't. Some days the AMS ads are just eating your money and sales are rocking. And then the next day it's like AMS doesn't know who you are. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Um, there, it's just like on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I feel like I have a general grasp of most things. It's more of getting into a specific, like um, down to the nitty gritty, like how do the Facebook ads work? How can you get them to convert better? Um, so I'm taking a class with Michael Cooper on Sunday. And oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe one day I will understand Facebook ads. <laughs> and then there's, of course, AMS Advantage ads now that I'm trying to get into. And it's just always a huge learning process. And no matter what you do, the process is going to change. But that's, that can be, like, scary, but also exciting. Mm -hmm. Like, what works now might not work in a few months. And that might be frustrating, but that also means that there's room for growth in our industry. Yes, yeah, definitely. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me. George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today. Since this is November, um, you know, by the time this, uh, when this airs, this is going to be, we're going to be in the last month of November. So, which is, so all, you know, so many authors know it's National Novel Writing Month. You have experience with that, right? I do indeed. Yeah. So what um, what kind of uh, when did you discover NaNoWriMo? What was your aha moment when you found that? I discovered NaNoWriMo in the well, my first one was in 2015. So I think it was either that year or the year before that I discovered it. Uh, one of my friends who I've known since I was like six years old, she's big into writing, though she doesn't do it professionally. Uh, she loves National Novel Writing Month. I think she's done it like 10 times or something crazy. Wow. Um, so she showed me it, and she's the one who first got me to try NaNoWriMo. Mm -hmm. so I've only done it for three years now, 
yeah. that I've won every year that I've done it. <laughs> That's great. That is terrific. And um, and with each one, have they been those you know those books that you have been, that you've already released? Uh, yes, except for this current Nanorimo, of course. Right. <laughs> I did um, The Elder Dominion, which is an adult sci-fi in 2015, and I think Savages I did in 2016, which is the second book in my YA fantasy series, and I don't remember what I did in 2017, uh, because I was editing the third book in that series, but I was also writing something else, and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so your YA, um, you said YA fantasy series, right? Um, so tell us about that. What was it that, um, what, what, are, what are the origins of uh, that series? Uh, the origins of my YA fantasy series, uh, it's called Chronicles of War Shard. Um, the first book, uh, like every book, kind of there was one scene that, I know this is kind of cliche, but I had a dream about it. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, since I was little, I've always had these like epic dreams, a lot of them fantasy, some sci-fi, and <sighs> Like Lucky. I'm, I'm not <laughs> me in these dreams though. Like I am a character, yeah, in the dream. So it's just my brain playing story time as I sleep, basically. Interesting. Yeah, it's like so your brain is playing World of Warcraft almost. You know? Um, yeah, pretty much. I've definitely had dreams playing World of Warcraft and League and ESO and all that good stuff. But there you go. <laughs> that's because I play too many games. Okay, <laughs> that explains it then. So at least yeah. there's. There's some, you know, some root there, you know, for, for all of that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but each, there was a pivotal scene in each of those that was rooted in a dream that then was built upon to be a novel. So mm -hmm. something in that dream, like the first one uh, is about a girl named Haven, who is a princess that becomes a queen, like kind of unwittingly, like she never suspected she was going to be queen because she's like the third in line. Um, but then tragic things ensue and, you know, she becomes queen. So obviously everybody dies in front of her. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so like I had this dream where she was the, um, the immortal queen. Like she couldn't be hurt. Like she can be hurt, but like her injuries heal. So it was a dream sort of about that. And I don't really want to spoil it because it's towards like the last half of the book that the dream was in, but. Oh, okay magical stuff happens so when um so when you so there was like one specific scene that you had in that dream and that was kind of like what it's what started each book is that what uh, like is that what you meant by that like yes was... oh sorry yeah yeah it was kind of like the scene just set off like the fireworks in my brain kind of thing like got mm -hmm. the gears turning and it created it started the character and it set a scene to happen somewhere in the book. So some of the scenes are further towards the beginning and some are towards the end, depending on the book. So it's kind of like building a book to get up to that scene. Because okay. that's so like, somehow pivotal. There was the whole there's that whole thing about, you know, how Stephen King says you gotta kill all your darlings and everything. So it would so you would never wanna put yourself in a position where you would have to cut that main scene, you know, like Right, you know, like you. Yeah, I don't think I ever could just because the scene is like what started it. You yeah. know, it's the scene I'm always working towards getting, and it somehow sets the tone for the book. Like in my sci-fi series, um, in the Aldar Dominion, 
it was a scene in this like glass tower there are these like drugs called boosters that they don't have any psychedelic effects but they do different sort of enhanced abilities to the person after you take them and mm-hmm. it's a limited time so uh basically crashing a uh spaceship into the sand going into this glass tower uh searching for a genetically enhanced gorilla and then they find the gorilla but then a chase scene ensues because the main character is a smuggler and you know she's wanted by these people or whatever so that was kind of the dream and so that really sets up the story like to get to this point gotcha it was it's like i think about a third end of the book Mm -hmm. so everything just kind of built on you know why are these people after this character and water what are these drugs and why are they crashing into the sand and who is the gorilla so (laughs) Like, it seems silly when you talk about it, but then it all makes sense when you read the book, right? Right. Of course, yeah. Now, um, now if I'm not mistaken, you, you have been to PenCon, correct? Yep, I was there this year was my first. first that's where, okay. That's where, you know, like that's where it all, that's where it all kind of crystallizes, you know, with us. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually scheduled to speak with Rick and Amy Miles um, at some point in 2019. For the show so it'll be that'll be a really fun interview to give they um how did what was your experience over there first of all rick and amy are amazing they're super sweet they, mm-hmm. like you're gonna love talking to them and like the interview oh yeah uh, they're hilarious uh, but my experience was really positive Excellent. it was so much fun it really <laughs> like, is isn't it like i mean like yeah. it just the atmosphere there is so unlike anything else that I've been to. It felt like Wall Street, basically, like you're standing on the stock exchange, like while everything is just happening all around you. Like, I mean, I don't know what they, I don't know how they were able to tap into this many ravenous book lovers, but man, did they strike gold with them. Like, right? Like, it is amazing. Like, like it was St. Louis of all places too. Right. It's not like a huge place. Yeah. And I live, yeah, I live here. And like, it's so thankfully, you know, the commute was not a problem, but the, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. Like seeing people just filling up carts of books and knowing that they're going to, they're going to start reading all of these as soon as they get back to their hotel room. Oh yeah. And like impressively large carts too, like dragging around like, 50 books by the end of the time they're there and mm-hmm. they have certain authors to beeline to and then others walk around with these like big boards that they're getting all the authors to sign which like, is great that's so much fun and it was, uh, it was awesome like yeah. that in itself was just fun to be able to talk to them and even in the few minutes that you were just standing there signing their board <laughs> like, yeah. it was awesome and the great thing is, the great thing is, is that they are book lovers themselves. So you're not intruding on them at all by talking to them about your book while you're signing. You know, exactly. it's like that's, we're all, we're all here for the art of, of books. Yeah. Like, it's not like you don't feel like you have to scream, you know, like, buy my book, buy my book. Like, that's what it feels like a lot of the time online. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to get it out there. But in this situation... Like the people come to you. Yeah. It's and awesome. They, and they're running toward you in some cases. Like it's it's pretty amazing. 
um, yeah, this was my this uh, this past one was my second time going, and I've already booked my table for my third. So I am. This is going to become like a regular a regular thing for me. I can't wait for uh, next September. Uh, although at the same time, I kind of can wait because it gives me a lot more time to finish uh, book three for Excelsior, so I can get that you know done and ready. Because um, that's my that's the that is my big deadline to have these books ready by PenCon, so that way I can say I got a complete trilogy here. So that's my that's my plan at least. So we'll see if that if that comes to fruition. Um, but um, what was it like when uh, when you got to finish up that first book? You went through the whole process. What is your writing process, by the way? What is your you know like after you write? The first draft. What is your team like? What is uh? What do you what do you have on hand? Okay. Well, after I finish my first draft, um, usually I give it. I usually finish on a Friday because mm -hmm. I'm organized like that. <laughs> so I usually give myself the weekend to you know digest and like chill because I've probably been a scattered brain crazy person for the last few weeks writing this book. Mm -hmm. um, so by Monday, I will sit down and I will edit the entire thing and usually three days maximum. Um, usually quicker than that, but I like to give myself a buffer. So I will re-edit it myself. Mm -hmm. And then I have a team of beta readers who I will send the book to. And they will, they usually take um, two to four, four weeks depending on how busy they are and life stuff so they'll read through it um they're university students so they are in english courses you know learning all the grammatical stuff <laughs> and so they're really good uh one of them in particular is just great at catching all my inconsistencies like when i mess up someone's eye color or they're in the wrong room or the you know something like just stuff like that. And then she's also really good at catching um, just grammar, wrong word use, my Canadianisms. <laughs> she's good <laughs> at catching those. Yeah. Uh, so she does a lot of line editing for me and which works out awesomely. So once I get that back from them, I go and I edit it um, again. And then I have it sent to my proofreader and then he proofreads it and then sends it back to me with his notes. And usually by that point, it's not really a lot of editing. So it usually takes me like half an hour to an hour, depending on how many errors there was to re-edit it. Mm -hmm. And then by that point, it's done. I format it myself with Vellum because I'm also a designer. So excellent. <laughs> I, yeah, I format it and I do some of my own covers. And then with the Queen of Thieves series, I had outsourced it to Annika Williams of Ravenborn Covers, and she is a digital art goddess. <laughs> She's so good. Oh, you got you got you got to love the cover artists. You know, God God bless them. Exactly. Um, you know, my, I know my cover artist uh, Molly Phipps is an absolute genius. Um, she, uh, you work with Molly Phipps. She I do. My formatter, actually. She Before is. I learned how to do it myself. She is, she is wonderful. She did the, um, when, uh, when we were going, we went back and forth just a little bit regarding the, uh, regarding the cover art for the first Excelsior book. And when she delivered the main thing that I had in mind, you know, I was just like, well, why, you know, like, 
can we put this and over here and can we use this uh, like a torn up notebook page as like the frame for the whole thing? And then she sends it to me and I started crying. Like, <laughs> it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And it was the 25th anniversary of the creation of the character. So it was just like, this is amazing. This is everything that I need right here in one shot. So yeah, Mo Molly made me cry in a very, very good way. So, <laughs> Well, it's always nice to be crying in a good way, not a bad way. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, um, There's nothing better than that feeling. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, um, so you're saying like uh, you're... Um, so the cover designer, your digital arts goddess, you know, they go, <laughs> yeah, they go ahead and, and deliver, deliver the, uh, the cover art and then just submit it to, um, do you, do you go wide or do you do just uh, KDP select? I am wide with my queen of thieves series and with the dominion rising series. Um, mm -hmm. but my wife fantasy series is currently in KDP select. It had started out wide, and then I ended up trying KDP. And so this has been like my year of trying select. Mm -hmm. And then in the new year, I'm going to put it wide again because I found KDP, it's like, it kind of works sometimes. And then other times, I don't know. It's just like the page reads aren't where I would want them to be to cover an income that I could be getting from like draft to digital, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that feeling. Um, so with, with all this in mind, you're like, so once the, uh, when the book, when the first book came out, what did you do for the launch? Did you set up like, uh, did you have, you know, launch party? Did you do something online? What was your, what was your means of kind of letting the world know that, Hey, you know, my work is out there. For my very first book or for the recent series? Uh, we'll go with the, we'll go with both actually. Okay, um, so for my very first series, the book originally came out through the uh, Vanity Publisher, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't really like to count that. So when I first released it, I re-released it myself a few months later. Mm -hmm. um, so when I relaunched it, I had like some promo days set up with all the big ones, Bargain Booksy, Robin Reads, etc., Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a short story collection in the same series come out as well to boost it. And then I had book two came out like a mm, couple, two months later, I think. So I had the pre-order up for that. So I did a, not a Facebook party, like Facebook takeovers in other people's groups. Okay. And I did the whole tour thing for reviews figure what those are called now because I a blog tour <laughs> to the oh, blog yeah. tour. It was uh I haven't done one since, but like it was nice to get some readers for that first book. Nice. And um, trying to think of what else I did that's been so long now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was basically it. Uh, there was okay. probably some other little small things like just social media and yeah. stuff. For my recent release, I did tons and tons of newsletter swaps i am the week book two came out i had a promo week with all the big ones when the first book came out i had a book bub featured new release which i um i just kind of put in there because i was like you know what i've never got a book bub before you know i might as well try it and then i got it and i was shocked 
Yep. Um, I had a big uh, arc team. I always send out arcs in advance. So I had, I think, 20 reviews, 20 or 22 reviews by release day. Oh, that's excellent. Um, yeah. <laughs> was, I was really surprised because most of the time I will send out like nine, I'll send out like 80 to 90 copies and be lucky to get like 10 reviews. But right. this time I sent out 90 and I had, you know, the 20, 22 reviews. And then I had about 30 reviews by the end of the week, I think. Excellent. Around that. So they are a really solid arc team now. Like I have it down to about like 20 now, I think, but mm -hmm. they're really awesome and they are very hungry readers and they just love the series and I love them and they're so sweet. How did you, how did you come across them? You know, like what was, um, did you just like look for people that are looking for arcs, you know, for advanced reader copies? Uh, they were all for my newsletter, actually. Really? Um, I put a call out to my newsletter, you know, if anyone wants an arc of Queen of Thieves, you know, sign up here, fill out this questionnaire. Um, and then I sent out the 90 and these people just stuck around. There was a couple that did come over from uh, doing arcs for the YA fantasy series, like maybe one or two. And then I think there was two, maybe three from my sci-fi series. But the rest were just brand new people who happened to be on my newsletter and wanted to read the book. <laughs> that's fabulous. That's yeah. uh, that's a great thing to hear too. You know, just that um, that you're that you're able to get that kind of enthusiasm so far ahead of everything. Um, that really goes a long way. So, um, what would you say to um, in terms of your um, in terms of your experience as an author? What would you say to people that are, you know, just kind of like getting their feet wet with all of this, that have the drive, that want to succeed themselves, but don't really know exactly how to get there themselves. What would you say is, uh, are the key things to, um, to finding early success? Uh, read everything you can in 20 books. Mm -hmm. First of all, because yeah. 20 bucks is a gold mine. You are getting all this information for free. All you have to do is use the search bar to look for it. Like, uh, it's amazing. Like, I really love it and I really appreciate the admins on there. Uh, Craig Martell, Michael Anderley, um, uh, Felicia Beasley, I think, is one. Like, I love them all. Like, they're so kind and so helpful. Mm -hmm. um just really just read through everything you can uh start a newsletter early just write 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 because each book is going to be better than the last um hire an editor even though it's difficult sometimes financially or have a critique partner on your first few books because you really want to uh, get to be a better writer as you go along like yeah. When you get to a certain point, you might not need them anymore besides like you probably you will always want some sort of line editor or some sort of uh, like copywriter kind of thing just because we do miss stuff. It's impossible not to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you want those. But when you're starting out, you want someone to tell you um, how not if it's good or not, but you want someone to critique you to tell you maybe you could be doing it like this. You know, maybe you could uh, show here instead of telling the reader. Uh, maybe this dialogue could be more punchy. 
uh, stuff like that. Like you do want that in the beginning or else you might just keep writing, you know, subpar books when you can be writing good books. Yeah. Like, and we all, we all suck when we start, like it's, we're all gonna suck at some point. (laughs) That is, that is a great, that is a a great button right there. We all suck when we start. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's almost like the, uh, the opposite of, um, it's kind of like the opposite of what Terry Funk told, uh, Mick Foley in, in, uh, regarding wrestling just said every wrestling match, it's a great match until it begins. So like same, same sort of th- same sort of thing, only almost like a reverse kind of kind of setup. Yeah. Um, so, um, what do you have in the pipeline these days? What is it that uh, um, what is it that readers can expect from you? Uh, well, actually, today I just finished the fifth book in my uh, steampunk fantasy Queen of Thieves Clockwork Thief series. Fantastic. Uh, my nano project. So <laughs> just finished it today. Great. So that will be coming out in January and the series will be wrapping up with book number six in February. Mm-hmm. And then I have a co-written series, which is an ur- urban fantasy reverse harem that is co-authored with uh, Lena May Hill or with Alexa B. James, I think is the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pen name. So um, a co-authored series that'll be out in hopefully late spring and then a pirate fantasy series that will be out in the spring as well. Awesome. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> awesome. And yeah, um, that this, this has been, this has been just so, you know, so wonderfully educational. Um, I really hope that, uh, that all of you, all of you authors that, you know, that want to go forward with this, you know, take note of the fact that, you know, that you need a team. You need to educate yourself as much as possible. You need to um, have confidence, you know, in yourself, even though you you know that you're going to um, you're going to suck when you start, you know. Um, but as long as you keep working at it, as long as you keep on pushing yourself, you are going to get better and better and better. You just can't help but get better and better and better at it if you're putting in this kind of work. And um, Catherine has been. Um, just a true example of that, you know, just basically, you know, what she has done is she has, she has educated herself in the self-publishing market. She's educated herself regarding what sells, what doesn't sell. She has catered to those markets and she has, you know, and she is now reaping the benefits of this. So um, she is a wonderful example of someone who is truly on an Excelsior journey because all she has done throughout has improved. Um, is, and that is just, um, a great thing to, to take from this. So, um, Catherine, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for being my 10th subject on this, on this show. It's really, it's a real pleasure to have you here. And it's a great pleasure to be able to speak for all of you for 10 episodes and more to follow. So, Uh, For Catherine Bogle, this is George Soroy saying to you, Ever Upward. We'll see you next week.